Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com slash connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in again this week. I'm Maria Geffers, and this is my husband, Tom. And we are from Career and College Counselors, and uh, that's what we do. We help students find the right career, the right college, graduate in four years with the least amount of money out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited today. I have one of my good friends, uh, Lucille Prickett-Prawl. I worked with her not only as a friend, but also we did touch base with each other as when she was up in one of the high schools that I did work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we joined a couple of things together. So she is wonderful and she's been through everything so um welcome lucy i'm so excited that you're here and uh the question that you're going to ask answer today is what does a special education and disability rights advocate do you know that's always uh, a question that we ask so tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do all right. Um, my name is, my full name is Lucille Pigot Prawl, but I always tell everyone to call me Lucy Prawl. And I must say, at one time, as you know, I, I was a past educator, and the kids still to this day, even though they're adults now, they call me Miss Lucy. So that I, I take that as a term of endearment, like, thank you. <laughs> but um, pretty much as a disability rights advocate, the things that I do is... Uh, make sure I educate and empower families to ensure that children, youth, young adults with disabilities and special health care needs lead rich, active lives as members of their schools and communities. So I know that's a mouthful, but in a nutshell, that's pretty much uh, what I do. And it's really there to be a support for that person, um, to be a resource for that person. But I always say as a special education and disability rights advocate. My goal is that you no longer need me and that I teach you. I always have a saying that I said, I'll teach you how to fish, but I ain't fishing for you. I'm, <laughs> my, thing is, my thing is to make sure that you're empowered and you know where to go. And if you don't, that it's okay to ask. Mm -hmm. Always ask, right? As teachers, mm -hmm. that's what we always, you know, no, no question is, is really stupid, and we've heard pretty much all of it yes. uh, in, <laughs> in our experience. What was your aha moment that you realized that this was going to be your passion? Um, I've always been an advocate, like a people's person, um, speaking for persons that can't speak for themselves. Um, I'm a Rutgers University graduate. 
um, political science, urban studies. So that's a whole nother, you can imagine. Um, they're, you know, helping the underdog, so to speak. I've always done that, even from a young girl, because I'm, I'm a product of immigrant parents. So you can imagine it was always, I always had to explain things. I was the one, as they would say, like that bilingual child that would have to just break it down for the parents. I always did that. But, it, but it's ironic, the way that I ended up in special education um, in my local school district, um, they called me in one day as a parent being very involved and, you know, the student studies and things like that. They said, you know, Lucy, would you be interested in helping us with this one child that was having some issues and reference and challenges and reference reading? So I ended up working with this young man and they loved the way that I worked with him. And, you know, interacted with them. And they said, you know, did you ever think of going into special education and doing that? And I'm like, no, because at the time I was a HUD inspector <laughs> for the federal <laughs> government. <laughs> and, and I literally moved from New Jersey um, as a HUD inspector for the federal government to the Poconos, which, you know, there isn't too many, too much no. HUD. In. <laughs> no. So that's what gave me the time to be able to work with the kids. And I said, oh, okay. So they gave me a special, um, you know, the emergency status that right. you can get to teach. And I haven't turned back. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can honestly say, because just seeing the growth in the children. And, and sometimes it's just something as simple as patience. Mm -hmm. Simple as patience. Mm -hmm. it, it is, it, it, that's, uh, you know, a great feeling when you're a teacher, those are the memories that we hold on to. And as, uh, as Tom always says, you know, people will come up to you and sometimes, you know, you recognize them because they're now adults. I mean, you know, who the heck, you know, <laughs> exactly. but, uh, you know, it is great. And, and we all have those special memories. What is one of the special memories that you remember working with a student or a parent that really touched your heart? Wow, there's, there's so many that I could go with, but there's one particular one, and I'll make sure I won't name any names, because if I name the person, you'll know who he is. <laughs> but I remember as a young child, this young man came into my kitchen, because we're, you know, family friends, came into the kitchen, and he was hysterical. And I'm like, what's the matter? He said, the teacher said that I won't amount to anything. It must have been like fifth, sixth grade. Um, teacher said I won't amount to anything. I won't be successful. And, you know, that whole thing. And I told him, don't you ever let anyone tell you what you can be and what you can't be. Well, you know, we ended up winning the whole deal. Because now, <laughs> now he's actually um, managed um, director of a prominent hospital. He's already been director of a university. He has his master's degree. I mean, just so much mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that this young man has been able to do, which we're very close. We're still close friends. That's why I won't give any names. But, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. like, how dare you? <clears throat> excuse me. How dare you limit right. what someone could do? Right. So, and, you know, it, that is... It is unconscionable uh, for our teacher to do that, but we know that happens. Uh, what was your biggest challenge? I, you know, you've had a lot of successes, and of course, as teachers, we always have those those 
down valley moments. What was the biggest challenge that you uh, encountered when you were advocating for your for disabled children and, and special needs? Right, and and I still and I still do um, advocate for um, that population. The hardest part is always um, when you're at the table and you're especially the IEP table, which stands for Individual Educational Plan table. So you're sitting at the table and you have these professionals who you know have gone to the same conferences that you have gone to. <laughs> have, you know, they've heard the same lectures that you've heard. You know the potential that this child could have, and, but they're putting roadblocks on, up because of the money aspect of it. Not looking at the child as an individual and how you're molding and how you're sculpting this young person's life. And that to me, I, every now and then I'm just like, okay, guys. And I'll be very honest, I will stop an IEP meeting mm -hmm. and ask the young child or whoever to please leave for a moment while I speak to the adults. <laughs> and I will give them a lecture, like, come on, guys. <laughs> You've yeah. been at the same conferences I've been, you know, we've attended the same, you know, uh, lectures. You know the deal. And usually after that, that's one of those Miss Lucy smiling advocate moments. <laughs> <laughs> only you can do, Lucy. Only you hey, can do. Hey. And, and then I can honestly say there's been quite a few people who literally with bucked heads at the IEP table where now we're great friends. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, that's the hard part. You always have to keep kind of proving why you're there, which sometimes people find an advocate there. They think it's confrontational. But as you know me, I'm far from that. <laughs> and you can win a lot by just a smile. Exactly. And, and keeping the focus not on the, the, the parents or the teachers, but on the student. And, exactly. you know, I would say probably most teachers are really for the for the child. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right. And, and, and I'll be very honest. I've had school districts call me. in, So it's not always that I'm just there for the parent, because every now and then a school district will call me in. Uh, could you speak to this parent and help them understand? <laughs> because, and, and that's one thing. Even if a parent calls me in, I'll listen to both sides. Right, right. And if it's, and really if the parents are asking too much or what I think it may be too much, I mean, I'll kind of pull them aside. You know what? Um, make a list of 10. If you can get three of those things right. listen to, it's still successful. We can come back and revisit, you know? So mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. it's being able to work. It is. And one of the things, you know, you were, as you mentioned, you were a political science major mm -hmm. and uh, you've worked both on the state level and the federal level yes. uh, advocating for special needs uh, students. And when you go in and meet with legislators, how do you find them? Are they attuned? Are they listening? Do you find everybody is really on board for the students or do you feel sometimes that uh, they are detached? Um, I would say all of the above. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why I can say that, because literally every year up until pandemic, I, there would be weeks up on end where I would spend in Washington, D.C., literally walking the halls of the Capitol, mm -hmm. knocking on the doors and speaking to, you know, our legislators. You do have some that have an interest because they have a family member or they have a disability. Right. And then you have some that really aren't too sure, like, what is this world? Could you kind of enlighten me? And then you'll have a few that'll listen to you, take the, the packet and say, okay, thank you, you know, for your time. So again, it depends. And, and you can tell because those legislators who actually have that aha moment, 
those are the ones that you will see their bills or they'll come down with mm -hmm. things that will try to change the mm -hmm. way things are being implemented. Mm -hmm. And did your major help you uh, navigate all the political system? Oh, oh definitely. <laughs> 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 I don't understand what the big fuss is because one thing with poli sci, you know, it's okay to disagree. Yes. You yes. know, it's okay to disagree. And then afterwards, we'll go and have lunch. We'll go hang yes. out. Right. And, and and that's one thing I always tell told my friends years ago that I found out that um, one of our prerequisites for graduating, you had to work with a political, political campaign. And, you know, I would see the two parties fighting during the day, but at night hanging out at the bar at the restaurant. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> weren't you two just fighting? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's and that's a good thing. At least it keeps the yes. communication uh, going. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, all right, Tom. Well, that's why lawyers go into politics, you know. <laughs> yes. They, they learn how to argue in school, yeah. argue their points and debates. So they just carry that on into their careers. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's exactly how that happens. But I, I want to try to get into the nuts and bolts of, of uh, special ed and going into college. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially if like a parent or uh, parents have uh, a student who's a junior right now in, in high school, has gone through special ed courses and so forth. And what do they have to do, uh, you know, to prepare for college and to get into college with the least amount of hassling problems? Well, the best way that, again, I can think of if they haven't prepared, because technically, especially in, if you're in the disability um, or special educational world, they technically want you to start getting prepared from age 14, which many people aren't aware of that. Um, to get out there and learn how to advocate for yourself, uh, learn how to speak up. And again, we all know, we all have anxiety from one time or the other. But again, that's the time that the school districts are supposed to be kind of guiding that child with that support. Now, if the child by the time of 17 hasn't acquired those skills, there's, there's quite a, there's a multiple ways that they could try to get some of those skills. There's various agencies out here. Is it okay to name the agencies? Absolutely, right. right. Yes. And we're in okay. Pennsylvania, just in case this okay. will be national, but this is Pennsylvania. Okay. And in the state of Pennsylvania, you have the Center for Independent Living. They have actual um, youth groups. Um, also, too, in Pennsylvania, they have what they call PYLN, which is an actual uh, statewide organization that works with young people. I've seen them do some phenomenal things in reference to teaching children or young people how to be empowered. Um, there's the Peel Center. The Peel Center, I happen to work for them. Um, they're also statewide. You have the ARC. You have quite a few agencies that are out there that are that will add that additional support, along with OVR, with, which is Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. And the reason why that's important, because once you leave high school, there's no more IEP. Right. Um, one thing, if the person, if the young person is thinking about college, which there's no reason why not to, because why not? Um, or technical school or, or whatever goals a young person would like to do. Um, it is important that once you get into that whole um, out of high school, you have to be able to advocate for yourself. Your parent can't do it for you. <laughs> your 
family member, your guardian can't do it for you, that young person has to be able to go to that disability services department, no matter what campus they're on, and they have to be able to ask for the help. Now, the disability services may know that they're on campus, but they won't go around trying to, you know, like, okay, don't forget you need this, don't forget you need that. That young person has to be able to ask for those, um, you know, and be empowered and ask for those services. So it's not like high school or elementary where, you know, you have a case manager who will walk right. you through it. You're kind of on your own. And that's why yeah. advocating is so important for them to get that skill. Mm. Well, you know, nationally, there's a shortage of counselors in, in high schools. In mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, the official number is about 400 students to every counselor. Yes, yes, and they true. just don't have the time uh, or the energy to take care of the 400 students on, on their list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we know in today's world, you know, things pop up in the morning and it just takes the counselor the rest of the day to solve that problem. Yes. So we run into a lot of uh, kids who don't get college counseling. Mm -hmm. And if your special needs, do they have someone, uh, I could use the same word, do they have someone special to go to? Or are they just uh, depending on the same counselors and trying to get the information for college that way? Well, really, if they're still in high school, that's what their IEP team should be team, you know, as I said, team, that's what they should be working on. If not, that's why I mentioned those other agencies, because those other outside agencies have uh, youth-based um, supports, which will assist that, that child, that young person in learning how to advocate for themselves, learning what's out there, what college may be better than the other. Because I'll be very honest, as an advocate, the best way I learned of some things were through the parent support groups because the parent would come back to me and say, Lucy, guess what? There's such and such happening over there. And once I check it, checked it out, that would be a new resource that I could refer people to. But like I said, the Peel Center, um, the ARC of PA, um, Center for Independent Living, uh, Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, they have people in place that are there to assist. Oh, and PYLN, which is a phenomenal group. They do, out in Penn State, they um, host the transition conference. And that's another place where parents can check. Um, Pennsylvania has what they call a transition conference or transition um, site, which will assist them with that. Uh, you know, we talk about, you were talking about the IEP team and, uh, you know, uh, Parents might not know what that is, or if you don't have a special ed uh, student, could you just give us a brief, um, who is on this IEP team meeting? Okay, um, usually, of course, the student, um, anyone that's involved in your support. Now, again, that would be the model <laughs> IEP team, but sometimes you don't get that. Um, all of the students' teachers, um, a, some uh, students may have regular teachers or um, mainstream teachers, along with maybe um, learning support or actual, you know, you know, additional academic supports um, should be there. Um, user guidance counselor would be there. Um, again, this is th this would be the dream <laughs> IEP team because again, like like he mentioned, like Tom mentioned. Not all the time do the teachers have the opportunity to, to attend. Um, any really, anyone that would be supporting that young person and making sure that they get what they need. Um, 
that would be an ideal um, IEP team. And that's about the best way to put it because sometimes you could be at an IEP team and it's three or four people. Or other times I've seen IEP teams as big as 20, 25 people at the table, which can be very intimidating for the parent. And then that's when they call me in, oh, Lucy, can you please sit with us? I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, as you know, uh, colleges and high schools this year uh, were depending a lot on uh, online uh, courses and teaching mm -hmm. that's hopefully going to change a little bit, but I think colleges are going to be going that route. Do you think that's uh, a, a special problem for uh, special need kids or is there, a, is, is that something that they should be concerned with or how to approach that going forward? And, and again, um, it's one of those individual issues. Right. Some kids have literally done phenomenal being online. Um, because again, those may be some of the children that have issues with anxiety, you know, bullying, whatever. Now that they're home online, they've excelled. And then there are the other children who may have issues with accessing um, the uh, internet, uh, may have um, connecting, um, you know, not have the proper equipment, things like that. So again, it's one of those things, it really depends on that individual. It's really hard to say. Um, some kids have regressed, some kids haven't. Um, I've seen it across the board. So, and again, as you know, some school districts had what they call hybrid, uh -huh. which is part, you know, in, in person and in part online, you know? So again, well, uh, put it this way, we're gonna all see when it comes out in the wash, as they say. Yeah. Well. It, it, it's gonna be a mix, mess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, as Maria said, you know, our podcast is national and, and you're an expert in Pennsylvania, of course, <clears throat> and elsewhere, possibly, I don't know. But if we were uh, speaking to a, uh, a mother, let's say out in the Midwest or out in the West who has a special needs child and, and they're a junior or senior in high school, what is the number one thing that you would tell them to do in preparation for them going to college? If there was one, if there was one good thing. Right. It and that's the thing, one good thing. Basically, it would be the same information because it's really across the board. And I, and I must say, I'm on the board for Disability Rights of Pennsylvania, which, you know, each state has a disability rights organization, which, which we're all under the national. And then each state has a arc of whatever state it is. So pretty much, I kind of know, you know, the pulse of how things are. Um, basically, it would be the same information. Now, again, depending on how um, the state actually implements their programs and things like that, that's something I really wouldn't know. But, 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 but it's basically the same. So, one pearl of wisdom. One pearl. One pearl. <laughs> one pearl of wisdom. Ooh, one pearl. The sky's the limit. Don't and 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 that and that I can honestly say that has always been the thing as an advocate. I've seen some phenomenal things done, where sometimes I have to convince the parent it's okay. I'm here to work with you. Um, don't think because your child has a disability that this is the end of the world. No, I've seen some phenomenal things done, um, just with the proper supports. But what did Einstein say? If you put a fish in a tree, guess what? He won't, <laughs> he won't be, won't be successful. So it's like anything else. It's really taking the time to find out what that person's strengths is, whose strengths are, and also to working with them and just supporting them and just allowing them to be. 
Right? Now you're in Harrisburg, the capital of Pennsylvania, of course, mm -hmm. and you go down to Washington. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there anything on the horizon that maybe the public is not aware of uh, regarding disabilities? Ooh. <laughs> like a, a, a secret, you have a secret source or something, a secret that nobody else knows that might come. Wow. wow. You, you know what? I think with this whole pandemic, we're all in this watch and see type of mode, which is kind of scary. Um, right now, money's kind of being thrown at things mm -hmm. and, and really you just have to see where it's going to stick. And, and one thing that I must say that I've always said it's good to have the money aspect, but if you don't have the people or the right implementation and use of that money, it gets lost. It gets lost in all the red tape and everything else. And the ones that hurt in the end are the young people, are mm -hmm. the kids. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the thing. I just hope when everything is said and done that um, it, 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 it does what, put it this way, that the money does what it's supposed to do. Which, yeah. which we'll see, which we'll yeah. see. <laughs> We're all going into this blind and coming out yes. hopefully uh, a little bit more knowledgeable, if you will. Yes. The uh, HIPAA, just to just bring in one more thing, HIPAA, mm -hmm. how, does that in, how does that work with college students? I know that's a, a you know, uh, an issue, if you will, with, with some college students and their parents, you know, mm -hmm. that whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you could just give us a little, a brief one. Yes. <laughs> Remember, I'm a poli-sci major. I can talk forever. <laughs> um, one thing I can say with HIPAA, that's a reason why the child or the young person has to be able to advocate for themselves. Because the parent no longer has that right to say, well, I want my child to have this service. I want this child to have this person to read, or I want this type of equipment. That young person has to be able to speak for themselves and um, advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing, of, and, and that's all because of HIPAA. Mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, once you get 18 and <laughs> that's it, that's mm -hmm. really um, in a nutshell. And then also too, depending on who or what your disability may be, you may not want to share with your professor. Right that you have a reading disability or you have a, a mental health disability. Cause I am also dual diagnosed. In other words, I work with IDD and with mental health. Mm -hmm. So again, you may not want to share those things, but, and, and it's ironic because how do you get that support? Right. Right. And, and see, and that's where that disability services department comes in. If they're doing their job, they will kind of guide you into what professors are more open Mm -hmm. Do it because again, just because you have a disability and you have disability services doesn't necessarily mean the professor has to honor it either. Right, right. So one of the things, if I can do a takeaway, is that the student needs to be able to understand their own disability and yet yes. be um, not proud enough, but articulate enough to go and and, and express the disability to the professor. Right. or the instructor that's that's very important they can't hide it anymore it's nothing to be right. ashamed of they need to go and advocate and that's what you're training them to do uh, seeing you advocate for them hopefully they're learning these life skills you know and and that's something that's difficult for young people and even adults to admit that they might have a learning disability uh you had mentioned a lot of uh agencies and would Kind of, is there a clearinghouse for, does each state have a clearinghouse, if you will, of 
of uh, departments and programs. In other words, if I live in, say, Connecticut, uh, can I go into the Connecticut uh, Department of Ed and look under, you know, Department of Education and find the resources that I need to find? Uh, you should be able to. Um, in Pennsylvania, it's Patton. It's um, Pennsylvania Department of Education, which I'm also on the uh, governor's uh, special education advisory panel. And so there is, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, but all states, okay. because there, there is what they call OSEP which is the federal okay. um, kind of guidelines on how education should be. And, and they're based in Washington, D.C., and, and it's national. Okay. Um, and so if a person does have an issue trying to get information, that may be also to a, a place of contact, which is OSEP. O, uh, and, and then it stands, and it's O-C-E-P. I think that's right, O-C-P. Well... <laughs> Would our state legislators, uh, would that be a good resource to help find the, the, the agencies? Would they have that access to that knowledge? Um, they should because we, I can honestly say, we do do a lot of outreach. Okay. Because I'm also on the board of the ARCA PA. And I know definitely we do a lot of outreach. Appeal does a lot of outreach. Okay. Um, I'm also on disability rights. I'm also on their board. I know, on their board. <laughs> I, I know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we do a lot of outreach, which is, again, because again, you have legislators that are seasoned and you, then you have new legislators that come in. Right. And, and it's also good for them to know that if they don't know the answer, they know to contact these agents. Good, good. So there is, there is no reason why any parent should be kind of lost, if you will. That's right. important to know. And, and that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on. And it's been a tough year. This whole year yes. has been very difficult for not only a special needs students, but our regular students yes. as well. And for adults. I mean, some of us are going through uh, tough times. So uh, that's important to realize. As you said, there is an ending at the end of the tunnel, if you will. And yes. we will get through this. Maybe different, but we will definitely yes. get through. Is there any topic that uh, you we haven't covered that you would like to, uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes, talk about that you feel is important for parents uh, and our listeners to know? Um, I, again, it gets back to where I really, especially as a parent, um, how important it is to support your child. And you're not the only one. You are far from the only one. You, there's more than enough resources out there. Sometimes it's, it's just abundance of resource, which I know it may take time to find out which one works for you. And guess what? If one doesn't work, there's other also um, areas. I forgot to mention in the state of Pennsylvania, we have the intermediate units, yes, which yeah. is the IU, which is also too is a good place. Um, to check. Like, for instance, I live in the Pocono region, so I have access to IU-20 and access to IU-21. So again, each area, um, it's just basically to find out the resources. If you're not too sure, they're, they're welcome to visit those sites that I mentioned of those agencies and those organizations, and just, just do your research. And that's important, too, because just myself as an advocate, just because I say it so, doesn't mean you have to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have the freedom to choose and the freedom on which route that you would like to go. Um, because it's not for me to, to say what route, because I'm, I'm not in your family. I don't know your family dynamics, right. you right. know, so it's important. But, but it, again, just to know that you're not by yourself. 
trust me, <laughs> you are far from by yourself. And, and know that there are people out there that want that support too. There's tons of support groups out there and it's just to find it. And, and if you're not sure, like I said, you have those agencies uh -huh. that you can definitely check in those organizations that are definitely there to support you. Good, good. And I'm sure, you know, in, in their area, there are other advocates as well. There are other Lucy, right. if you will. Yes, yes. They can, uh, they can reach out to. Um, I guess we've reached the time limit and I want to thank you so much for coming, Lucy. Uh, as always, it's been fun. Uh, you know, it's a serious subject, yes. but, uh, you know, we we... We, I think we've covered everything in a, in a very quick a, nutshell. A, a, lot, a lot of good information. And sometimes right. we assume that everybody knows what we know. Right. They don't. Right. And they don't know what they don't know. So sometimes they have to know, you know, find out, hey, I didn't know that place existed or right. that site existed. So all these little nuggets uh, add up and uh, we appreciate all the information you gave us. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you again. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, and if you have any questions, we will have uh, Lucy's information that you can definitely uh, reach out to her. And um, she's always willing to talk to everybody, as you can see. All right. Thanks so much, Lucy, again. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye.